Hey guys, Rosie here. Welcome to the Red Pill and the Rabbit Hole podcast. Everything you find here is about fine-tuning your awareness and really coming into who you truly are, what you stand for, staying curious and overcoming challenges by being real, raw and unapologetically you. So thank you for being here. Buckle up, let's follow that pill and jump into the rabbit hole. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited to be doing my second interview for the Red Pill and the Rabbit Hole. And this interview is with my coach, Declan Edwards. Just to give you a bit of background on him. So prior to the age of 19, he was like totally blue pilling it. 19 was kind of his moment where he had some serious health stuff going on. He was really sick and he was in and out of hospital and... They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him, but he was keeping what was putting him in there a secret. And prior to that, in his words, he was following in his father's footsteps. So he was, as he was growing up, he was like, right, I've got to get into the military or I need to go to uni. I don't really know why, but that's just what people seem to do. So I'm going to go to uni. And he was just doing all of that to the point that it was making him physically sick. He was fitting in with what he thought he should do as opposed to just belonging to who he is. He found a mentor. And it's been working with that mentor or that and several mentors consistently, which brings us to today where he is a founder of the coaching business, BU Coaching, and it's creating a movement towards emotional intelligence and well-being, which has now reached over 5,000 people in person. And you've only had it for like three years, haven't you? Uh, we just had a second birthday. Second, so yeah. two years. That's yeah. massive. That's massive. So thank you for being here. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm uh, pumped. So you know the concept for this is blue pill, red pill, the whole matrix thing. Just give the listeners a little bit of background on your blue pill life. Yeah, so I think just before we start into we're obviously having a catch up and a chat. I think the biggest thing for me was I lived a lot of my life in blue pill, if we're going to call it that, in fear. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it fear being on what others thought of me, but specifically fear of what my father thought of me. I lived a lot of my life. I look back now and I see 90% of what I was doing was trying to win his approval or his acceptance or his love or whatever I thought I needed from him. And so a lot of that was trying to be him. You know, it was put the brave face on, be strong, men don't have emotions, go into the military or the police force or at bare minimum, get a degree, like you have to get a degree. And I never really questioned much of that until I actually um, was like, you know what, stuff it, I'm just gonna go for the military, screw it, I don't know what I want, or I did actually know, I just didn't trust myself enough to follow through on it. Yeah. I was like, so might as well go into the military. And of course, wanting to be the overachiever and get everyone's approval, I mean, if I'm gonna go military, I have to be a commander. Like I have to be special forces, best of the best. And I went for it. And they turned me down uh, because I'm asthmatic and because I was dealing with quite a few health issues at the time. And so my life was rocked. Yeah. I was like, man, this is what I thought was going to bring me happiness and success yeah. and the approval of you know my father. Well, I guess not only like the whole approval thing from your father, but now what's he going to say that you can't Tried and couldn't yeah. get it, right? It's like yeah. one thing to not try, but it's like, no. You can call it failure, you can call it whatever you want, but it was like, yeah, I went for it and didn't get in. So that shook me. I mean, after that, I decided that, well, as I said, health problems were a concern at the time. 
and asked was the problem. And I went, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to stick it to them. It was almost a case of like, how dare you turn me away from, you know, being a commando. I'm going to be the fittest person in the world. Yeah. Like, I'm going to throw it back in your face. I'll show you. Exactly. And again, it was all to try and prove yeah. to someone, my yeah. work to someone else. It was never for yeah, me. For you. It was all about, yeah. And so as a result, yeah, I went and exercised a lot. I lost a lot of weight. I lost like 35 kilos in a year. Yeah, wow. Um, but by doing so, I became very obsessive with exercise, became very obsessive with eating to the point where looking back now, I realized it was a very disordered eating pattern. And I ended up going into hospital. I still had some um, issues in my digestive system because of the damage I did yeah, at the time. Wow. So it's lasted. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was because I just wasn't A, eating enough. B, when I was eating, I wasn't getting any nutrients. I was basically yeah. living on chicken, rice, and broccoli yeah. because that's what the bodybuilders <laughs> online said yeah. to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, I in trying to prove my worth, A, to my father, then to the military as a whole, I suppose, I ended up making myself really sick. Yeah. And I didn't get any happier. Like, no matter how fit I got, no matter how lean I got, I look back now and there's pictures of me with six-pack abs. Yeah. At the time, I could only ever see someone overweight. Yeah, wow. I never actually realized how fit I got yeah. and then how much further it went to the point where I, I looked ill. Wow, that's, like, that's really intense. Something that you said that I totally resonated with and I can, I'm 100% certain that people listening to this will be able to resonate with is when you were saying that you were, oh, I'll prove this, and you were doing the fitness thing, but it wasn't, it was never for you. Yeah. It was never to check in with yourself and go, well, is this actually what I want? But it was, well, I'm going to prove it to someone else, and I'm going to prove that I'm this strong person because I want them to know I'm the strong person, not because it aligned with you. Tell me about the moment for you or the period for you where you were like, you know what, I'm not going to live this, this is not... Or just, I guess, when you got that awareness around, this isn't making me happy, I need to change. So what was that like for you? Um, it was tough. It was a wake-up call. Like, I think it's, uh, I've been listening to your podcast and you're so right in saying that when you do start to have those realizations, it's like a punch in the face from yeah. life. Like, it's, I always joke with people, life will give three warnings. It's a, it's a poke when it's time to change. If you yeah. ignore that, you get the push. You ignore that, you get the mean old right hook. Yeah. And I got the right hook. Yeah. Uh, so at the time, as I said, I'm exercising. I uh, ended up going to university because I went, well, I can't be in the military, so I'll get the degree that I'm meant yeah. to have. Uh, studied nutrition and dietetics, which was ironic, having you know yeah. disordered eating. And I realized now I did that to get more control over what I was eating. Yeah. Um, yeah, in and out of hospital, just sick, not happy, definitely not healthy. And never really asking what do I want for me. And the, the moment it changed was when I was in hospital one time and they're running tests because I had no idea what's wrong with me. I mean, disordered eating wasn't very well known then, especially in males. Yeah. Um, and so I just wasn't telling them. Yeah. And I was like, that would be fine. This is good. And, you know, that's hard for my mom to not get the answers. So I, I'll never forget one time my mom was in the hospital sitting with me. They came in and said, no, I'm going to start testing for bowel cancer, which luckily I did not have. Yeah. Um, I'm very grateful that I didn't have it. But, when she heard that her only son might have a form of cancer, mm. and I knew that that wasn't the case, I just knew I wasn't eating, I wasn't telling anyone. Yeah. And I saw how much it impacted her, and and she broke down in tears. And apparently, I don't remember saying this, my mum swears, I turned her and said, it's okay, one day this will just be another part uh, of the book that I write. This will just be another chapter in my book. Yeah, wow. um, but I made a conscious decision, I was like, I can't keep doing this, because this isn't just affecting me anymore how I think and feel about myself 
impacts the ones I love. And it's oh, not fair to them. Mic drop. Yeah, I love that. Mm. It's so true. And people think that by people pleasing and doing all that kind of stuff that you're impacting them, you know, the people around you in a positive way, you're actually just contributing to their fear and their belief that they can't do what they want to do because they have to fit in. Um, they can't just be who they are. So when you stand up and, and step into that, what I call the red pill world, yeah. and they see you doing that, then it gives them permission to do that as well. Yeah. So you got your, you had that moment in the hospital with your mum, and then you sourced a mentor. Yeah, so a few years earlier, I'd actually started talking to a guy that I thought was really cool, doing amazing things. Uh, he'd actually spoken at my, I organised him to come speak at my high school, and then so I'd always sort of kept in contact with him a little bit. Yeah. And he's an amazing man by the name of Sebastian Terry, who at the time was running a project called 100 Things, which was yeah. write down 100 things you want to do before you die, like a bucket list, and make it your life mission to do those. Yeah. It's since shifted in such a beautiful way. He now runs a project called Kind Sum, which is how do we harness the most untapped yeah, resource I've, in the world. I've, I've seen yeah, it. which yeah, is like kindness. Yeah. Human kindness is yeah. the most untapped resource in the world. So yeah. it's gone from him being, but I love that transformation within his own journey and in mine, I can see it. At first, his 100 things was 100 things I want to do for myself. So how do I give back to myself? How do I live authentically to me? And then by doing that, he went, how can I now inspire others to do that? And that's where Kindsome came in. And I've seen the same journey in myself. It was very self-focused at first. So for him, I reached out and went, you are the first male role model I've had in my life who I think is living a life on their terms. Yeah. You know, who really is just going, screw what everyone else thinks. I'm going to really follow my heart on this. I want to learn that. So yeah. I went to some of his events and I just started building this relationship with him. And then from there, it opened up the world of personal development. Yeah. And he recommended some books that I'd read and I'd read the books, I'd go to workshops and yeah. I was the youngest person in the room a lot of the time and I was just yeah. trying to interact with these people. I think expose myself to that world, what you call the red pill world, right? Yeah. Just expose myself to people in that space. Yeah. What makes these people tick? Exactly. How do they think? What do they do? What do they talk about? Right. Because it seems to be completely different to these other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, everyone else around me was talking about, you know, the, the degree they were going to get and then the career they wanted to get. And, yeah. and then there was these other people like Seb who were like, you know what? I've always wanted to marry a stranger in Vegas. So screw it. I'm going to go marry someone in Vegas, <laughs> which is crazy. But then at the same yeah. time, you know, very service level, not all that profound. But then he did other things like I've always wanted to raise 100 grand for camp quality. I reckon I can do that in a year with no plan on how to do it. Yeah. And yet he did it. Yeah. And so I went, man, these are people who are thinking bigger. Yeah. Like thinking about impact to self. Yeah. And then impact to others. They don't have a cap. Yeah. When you think outside of that, there is no cap. Like it's literally off the sky. The, the atmosphere is literally your limit. Yeah. Well, it's... even then it might not be. Look at what SpaceX yeah. is doing with going into planetary and moving people to different, you know, planets, settling Mars. I think the problem with traditional education, if we're going to go down that path, is that uh, people view it as the destination and not the vehicle. Yeah. Getting sure. the degree is the end goal. It's like, no, it's not. A degree could be useful. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. I've got a degree. I'm, I'm doing postgraduate studies in positive psychology. Yeah. But it's not – it's it's a vehicle for me to get where I want to go. I'm like, yeah, yeah that will help me make a bigger impact. Oh, that's just so powerful. I know myself, like, when I was at school – and I had a lot of pressure from my family about doing degrees and stuff like that, which I clearly rebelled. <laughs> when I was going to, when I was looking at uni, I was like, I'm going to go to uni. 
And that's the end. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Done. I'm going to go to uni. Four-year degree. I'll be done by and 22. I'm done. And then I've got my, <laughs> my life is all worked out for me. I've got that degree. It's just like, mm-mm. Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> not even close. And I've met so many people that have gone to uni and have, like, finished their degrees and they're like, Oh, I still don't know what I'm doing. Now what? Do. <laughs> I like, now what do I do? I think, as you said, like when you take that red pill, when you really get in touch with yourself and know who you are and yeah. what purpose you have in life, like what is the impact you want to make? Now I don't care about scale. You can make your impact, like for us, for example, at BU, we want to spread a ripple effect that impacts a trillion lives mm-hmm. uh, over generations to come. I've spoken to people who said, you know what my impact is? is I just want to be a shining example and a great example to my children. I'm like, you know what, that's beautiful. That is profound. That I don't yeah. care about scale, but you are here to make a difference. Oh, totally. And when you it know is. that, yeah. it becomes, that's the destination. Yeah. And you realize it's a lifelong journey. Like, yeah. this shit ain't over till you're dead. Yeah, right? totally. I just had a conversation with someone before talking to you, and she was talking to me about Michelle Obama's, or she yes, was Michelle amazing. Obama's book. I haven't yet, but I'm going to download it after this. And she said, I was talking about stuff with my kids, and she said, be Michelle Obama's mum. And I was like, what? She said, in her book, she talked about how sometimes she didn't go and fix everything for her Mm. kids. She didn't fix everything for Michelle. Michelle knew that her mum wasn't going to fix everything, but she could go to her mum and just talk to her and she would listen. And I think everyone's trying to fix everything. I'll fix this by getting a degree. I'll fix, I mean, even me as a parent, if I do this, then I'll fix this and I'll do this, like solve this for my kids. Life is fixing it yourself. Yeah, Life is and struggling. starting with self, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're making me a little bit controversial here. Yeah, you're right in saying that everyone's trying to fix everything externally. I'd go as far as saying so many people these days are trying to fix those around them before they work on their own shit. Oh, 100%. Right? It's why I, oh my I reckon, God. You know, let's be controversial, I'd say the vast majority of kids who go into, I say kids, they're my age, uh, people who go into psychology degrees do so because they haven't dealt with their own shit yet. The amount of people these days who are popping up as life coaches, don't even get me started on that uh, industry, it's unregulated, anyone can say they're a life coach. Um, The amount who have never worked with a coach themselves. Yeah. I'm like, you haven't eaten the shit you're trying to sell, right? This is, you know, like, yeah, coaching's good for all of you guys, but not me, I got my shit together. Yeah. Really? Yeah. you're right, that, that that ripple effect, it starts from within. You take the red pill yourself, get in touch with yourself, work on yourself, and then be an example to others. Well, my red, my red pill moment wasn't until I was trying to get out of a very, very destructive um, and toxic marriage. Mm. And I spent the first, well, all of our relationship trying to fix him. Yes. Or trying to fix everything around us. I never, ever looked at myself. And that was a detriment to our relationship. And Mm. I totally take ownership for my part in in the demise of that. But I was always trying to fix him and fix everything outside of us. And it wasn't until I started to look in and swallow that pill and fix me and have the awareness around me, what's coming out of my mouth? How am I contributing to that? Because a lot of people think that like we're talking about external, internal. Everyone thinks it's happening outside of them. Yeah. I didn't do anything to cause that. Yeah. No way. That didn't. Mm-mm. Even like really bad things that happen, like Gary V. You love yeah. Gary V. I love Gary V. And he says, you know, he says, you know, even if it's the worst shit in the world, I don't care. You can. There was some part that you played in it coming up in your life. Yeah. And for people that have gone through trauma and stuff like that, 
that can be really, really confronting. I know I've been through some trauma and mm. it's really confronting to think that you've contributed to that. And it doesn't mean that you've caused it. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things about this red pill world is being able to step out of judgment. You take responsibility. Yeah, and take responsibility and and not think, not see that as a weakness, but see that as a strength. So like something that was happening or some things that have happened in my life that have been quite traumatic when I've looked at them and I've so just wanted to blame the other party and I've been like, as if I had any responsibility in that. I didn't do anything that, but when I, like, got over myself mm. and, like, sat with myself for a bit and I was like, okay, right. I know I didn't cause it. I know I didn't do it. I know I was just sitting in the car. The drunk driver crashed into mm. me, mm. but, you know, I still got in the car. Mm. Like, it's not my fault that they crashed into me, but I was in the vehicle, so now it's my responsibility to do something about it. Which you just captured so beautifully. One of my favorite ever quotes and lessons from one of my current coaches, um, Jack Delosa, says, nothing is my fault, but everything is my responsibility. Yeah. Which is such a good way to look. Because fault is so inherent in self-blame and yeah. judgment. But responsibility yeah. is healthy. It's like, yeah. how did I contribute to this? Yeah. What role do I have to play in this? And yeah. how can I make this different? Yeah. Right? Totally. I mean, even with blaming others and judging others, uh, for all the listeners, I'm the idea of shadow theory, which I love, which is that which we don't like in other people is normally a reflection of what we don't like in ourselves or what we don't give ourselves permission to do. Yeah. Now, I've just been away at a three-day silent meditation retreat, wow. and within the first day, I decided that I hated this guy who was there. <laughs> I hadn't said a word to him. We were silent. I hadn't met him. I didn't know his backstory. I didn't know his name. I knew nothing about him. And within day one, right, I just, and there's 50 people there, I just went, I don't like you. <laughs> And for the whole day, I was just in judgment of in our meditations. I'd yeah. peek open an eye and look at it and be like, look at this idiot. Like, right? It's so judgmental. And I think had I not taken the red pill, had I not been consistently working on my self-development, I probably yeah. would have hated the horror tree and then left me like, what yeah. the hell was that guy's problem? Yeah. What I realized that night, I actually did some contemplation and reflection and went internal and went, okay, I know about Shadow 3. Why do I not like this guy who I've never met, never spoken to? Yeah. And I realized... He was playing full out. Like when he was meditating, he was meditating, right? When he was in silent contemplation, he did not move, right? Yeah. When we were doing slow walking, he was glacial yeah. slow, like slow motion slow. And I I was judging him for playing full out. Yeah. And I went, why am I judging him for playing full out? Where in my life have I not been playing full out lately? Where have I not been giving myself permission to go full ball? And I realized that, you know, even in communicating my vision and my mission, you know, positive impact in a trillion lives, spreading a ripple effect of emotional intelligence to what we do with BU and what we stand for and stand against, what we're willing to fight against. Uh, I communicated that message publicly last year and got slammed for it. Yeah. And I've been partially holding back ever since. Yeah. Not anymore. And I think that comes down to the idea of what we're talking about. Take the responsibility. Rather than be like, okay, this guy's a jerk. Like, okay, he's shining light on something myself. And if we talk about red pill, blue pills, I don't think it's you just take one red pill and you're done for life. Oh, no. Are you it's brave like, enough it's, to consistently it's like take to it? Consistently take them. If you stop consistently taking them, you're back in blue pill world. Right? I think like, it'll suck you in. To a certain degree, you won't be as yeah. like, brainwashed as you initially yes. were. But if you don't consistently keep working, I mean, this is something that you and I talked about when I first started coaching with you, and I was yep. like, I don't need to do personal growth. I just need to grow my business. <laughs> oh, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. 
consistently improving yourself and it's something that my ego gets very caught up in when I'm like, no, no, I've done enough, I'm good. You, you have advanced. Yep. You are in such a good place right now. Yep. You have done it. You don't need to go any further. And I think it's ego, but it's also like trying to keep me safe and play small. And which, again, it's looking at it as an end destination yeah, of the journey. Totally. It's like I've, I've ticked the box of personal development. Yeah, I've yeah. done my coaching. Yeah, yeah. I've got it by degree. Right? In yeah. life, I'm done. Yeah. Well, no, coaching and, and taking the red pill and getting in touch with yourself, that's a lifelong it's commitment. Consistent. And I think since I've actually embraced that and I'm willing to have that conversation with myself a bit more, like, no, you have to keep yeah. going. Well, not you have to, but if you want to do this, like, you got to keep going. Yeah. I haven't battled with it yeah. so much anymore and I'm not worried about getting to the destination. Yes. I'm more just at peace with it's a daily thing and I'm looking for things each day now. How can I improve? Which makes sense physiologically, right? Like when we look at something like our physical health, it's like you don't just exercise for, you know, 10 years, and eat well for 10 years, yeah. and then go, well, ticks the box, I'm exercising yeah. eating well, I'm done. I'm done. But for some reason, a lot of people think that way when it comes to their emotional well-being or their mental health or their personal development. It's like I've done this for five years. I've had a coach. I should be done by now. What? Yeah. That's it so goddamn often. Most of the people that we coach are, are amazing women. Like, yeah. And the most common thing is feeling guilty about looking after themselves first. Yeah. It's always meant to be, but I'm meant to look after the kids, or I'm meant to look after the husband, or this needs to come first, or I'm meant to look after. And this, like, they're like priority seven or below on their priority yeah. list. And so I think men have the, the difficulty of being like, yeah, it's okay to look after yourself first, but don't you dare show that you're struggling. Yeah. Women have the, don't even put yourself first. Yeah. But yeah, you can show that you're struggling. Yeah, it's like, yeah. What? Like, if we put the two together. Yeah. I think there's a lot of this big shifts happening at the moment um, in awareness around this, but I think it's going to be our generation, even the generation below us as we come up yeah. and like infiltrate the world, yeah. um, that it's going to create the big change that that is happening but will be more permanent, I guess, yeah. um, in years to come. So just mindful of time and looking at wrapping this up where can people find you if they want to come and check you out on your socials and your website uh so they can follow me personally on instagram at declan edwards underscore bu just letters bu so bravo uniform there's the military background um or you can check out bu coaching on instagram bu underscore coaching or on facebook same thing and check out the website www.bucoaching.org we've got a bunch of free resources you can uh, download there like an emotional overwhelm checklist and blogs that you can access just to help you take those first few steps in building your emotional intelligence and well-being yeah cool and you've got a podcast as well yes sir the podcast is Declan uh BU with Declan Edwards uh it's yeah my little passion project's going really well we're having a lot of fun with it you've obviously been on yeah the podcast yourself yeah. it's been a fun little role reversal today yeah it's awesome awesome fun if you could like wrap up and I know it's hard to do this in a sense mm. Um, and not like a whole two-day presentation, <laughs> but if you could wrap up, what what's the biggest thing that you've gained from consistently taking red pills and why you would never go back to blue pill living? Mm. In a sentence, you say. Okay, let's well, give that a go. In, <laughs> in like three minutes. Okay. And the greatest thing I've gained is the freedom to be myself. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like to actually show up as me to know who I am, to feel confident enough in who I am, to know what I stand for and to know why I'm here, like what impact I'm making in the world, what my role and purpose is, and be able to follow through on that, that is not only freeing for me, but the difference that allows me to make 
not only professionally through BU, but personally with every person I come into contact with is incredible. So the meaning and purpose that's come from it and, and the authenticity and just yet freedom to be myself. And what's, that's why I'd never go back because I felt like I was living behind masks before. You know, it was the literally in, I was living in the shadow of my father and now I'm my own person. And as a result, my father and I have never had a better relationship. I love that. The impact I'm making in the world has never been stronger and I've never been more confident who I am. I love that. That's so awesome. And what would you say, like, a lot of people struggle with the fear of judgment and stuff yeah. like that from other people. How did you, what was your biggest tool or how did you manage to overcome that to get to the point where, that you are now where you're feeling, like, really good within yourself? Yeah, That's a funny one. It's uh, something that one of my first coaches ever said to me. It was a massive realisation, a bit of a slap in the face. So for those listening, brace your cheeks. I'm about to slap them. You're not worried about what other people think of you. You're worried that they're going to confirm what you think about yourself. Right. So, for example, for all the listeners, uh, if I said, I hate that you dyed your hair pink. What is wrong with you? What a stupid decision. Now, unless you're listening and you have pink hair, you're probably like, Declan doesn't know me. I don't have pink hair. What the hell's wrong with you? So because my perception of them doesn't match up with your perception of yourself, it bounces. But if I said something that you're already thinking about yourself, that's when it stings. That's when it hurts. That's when it becomes adopted. And a lot of the time, what we're worried people are thinking we don't know what they're thinking. We're mind reading and we're projecting our own fears. So I think the big change for me and big realization was I was so worried about what 7 billion people on the planet thought of me. And what I realized is it was never about them. It's what I was thinking about myself that mattered. And so when that changed, freedom. And they don't care because they're too busy thinking about themselves. 100%. Worried about what other people think of them yeah. rather than thinking about you. Yeah, so. what's the classic saying? The people who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't, don't matter. matter. Totally, totally. Okay, that's time. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. You can check out Declan again at www.bucoaching.org. That's the one. And also on his socials. So I hope this has inspired you. Please share it on your socials. Tag me. You know my goal. I want to have like Brene Brown on this podcast. So I need it out. And if you give me like some, some stars, five preferably, on iTunes. That would be amazing. Uh, Thanks, guys, and keep taking your red pills, and I'll chat to you next week. See ya.